0: Listener Production. You are listening to episode 197 of the Howie Games Part B featuring the superstar jock Frankie Dettori. Do not forget the Magical Melbourne Cup Carnival. It is from November 4 to 11. General admission tickets from just 60 bucks. Tickets at Ticketmaster. Get yourself there. Alrighty, on we go. Before I get to a few other things that happened in your career, you mentioned 30-odd years of doing this. Tell me about discipline and preparation that's allowed you to stay at the top of your game for so long in what is such a hard sport physically for the combatants, Frankie, because of obviously the weight issues and, and the preparation required. How have you managed to do what you've done for so long?
1: Um, well, obviously, different. When I started um, as a kid, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I was living on uh, Daiko and uh, Twix's chocolate bars. <laughs> You know, do you know? You know they know
0: diet cake and Twixes.
1: Yeah, I mean in in our, nowadays in our or conflicts nowadays uh, we have nutritionists. We don't know, we know what everything is: calories, carbs, protein. We, we know because we get taught that from our own uh, association. You know, but only this last fifteen years. And uh, and then obviously, when you're young, you want to experiment, you want to go out, you want to have fun. So obviously, completely, you know, and 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 you 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 do things. When you're 20, what you can not do now? I mean, I didn't never used yeah, to. Okay, I, yeah. I never, never used to sleep. I used to go straight to work. But now, you, now if you go out one night, you need two days to recover. And uh, but then, <laughs> you know, and obviously, you, you get to know your your body. You know what? You know, I I I can lose uh, a kilo and a half race there. I'll be fine. If I lose more than that, then I feel dizzy and I got nausea, I don't feel good. You know, but I know what my body can cope with, right? You know, some people can lose two and a half kilos or three kilos. I can't, Uh, or some people can't even lose half a kilo and feel bad. So it depends, you know, your body. And uh, so that's that's you know that's that's the discipline that we all have. Uh, And then uh, you know, I have the love of racing. I uh, enjoy what I do. I love the animal. And the preparation goes with that, you know. Uh, even if I don't ride, I look at the replays, you know, because they're, that uh, they important for me for the future when I when I race against them also. And uh, but I'm not the only one who does that. We all, you know, we all in uh, nowadays do. We're very professional, and you know, and uh, racing like it, like, like like any other sport, is is changed a lot. You know, we have more a lot more info. It's less, a lot more serious. People are a lot fitter people last longer look at feather I was still playing at 40 and yeah.
0: yeah you
1: know that's why uh I'm 52 I'm still doing it you know uh, back in the day if you pass 45 you're already old so different 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 generation
0: and the the pressure and the expectation obviously the jockey is always answerable to the trainer and the owners you've had so much success I I'm sure you've got countless stories about getting off a horse and fulfilling someone's dream for them, winning the ARC or the Derby or at Ascot. What's it like on the other side of the equation, mate, when, you, when people are questioning your performance?
1: Well, look, uh, you, um, if you ever shower, you're going to get wet. So if your ride says you can't win them yeah. all. Sometimes you gotta lose. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. you know. And sometimes yeah. if you do mess up, you gotta put your hands up. You know what I mean? You can't do a perfect job every time. You know, I I uh, I average between twenty two and twenty five percent. So I win one in four. So I'm not. Wow. I'm not gonna say I'm gonna, you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna win every one. So, uh, I mean, the the key is. You want to learn from, from your mistakes. So you want to turn your seconds into winners. So, you know, if you made a mess up on a horse and you were second, then you try to learn from it. So you can turn that second into a win. Uh, but it's part and parcel of uh, of the job. And uh, if you dwell too much about what you've done wrong, then uh, you transmit the negativity to, to the next race. Well, it's not fair or the horse that you're going to ride next or the owners or the trainers. So... You want to block yourself out of the way and regroup straight away. Um, You know, on a big day, we race six or seven or eight races, so you have to be, uh, you have to be uh, tough and mentally to uh, leave something behind and move on to the next.
0: And conversely, what is it? As I mentioned, what is it like going into the winner's circle, and and you've done something special on a horse and you've won a race for a trainer and an owner that just means so much to them? When you've, when you've delivered someone's dreams, what's that like?
1: Well, in fairness, first of all, you do it for yourself. You know, I mean, uh, as, you, as you know, worldwide we have two jockeys every year would die, you know, the, the, the biggest fatality in any yeah. sport. You know, I've had friends in well, wheelchair out there, very badly injured. You know, we, we do a very dangerous sport. I mean, if, if you knew when you, you, you were four, you wouldn't do it. You know, luckily we don't know, and um, the the win is what surpasses all the negativity. Then, then becomes with the sport, and uh, I can't. It's very hard to express or describe the feeling you get when you win a big race, and that transmit obviously to the owners or the people around you, the trainers, your family members. You get this amazing rush. You know, when, uh, when you're in front of, you know, just say, flaming to 100,000 people, you know, being watched on TV by millions, I mean, w- w- there is no word can explain the joy that you have when you cross that line, you know, and that's, and that's why we're all addicted to it and that's why we are still doing it.
0: <laughs> it's, mate, it's a, it's a great description. You, you mentioned the, the, the dangerous part of the job. Another famous part of your story that people won't realise, and I didn't until I started reading, um, June 2000, when you are leaving newmarket in a in a light plane i don't I don't want to ask you things that are upsetting to you, so I'll sort of leave that as an open question to to tell me what happened that day as much as you want and and how something like that affects someone's life moving forward frankie
1: uh right in a nutshell basically uh because we used to do two meetings a day, the best way of getting from me to be. I kind of had a had a, 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 a Cessna plane, a two-engine plane, six-seater. I, I didn't fly myself. Uh, and uh, I had a pilot, Patrick, and, uh, you know, we used to go from A to B. Unfortunately, my plane went for a service. We rented one exactly the same, but it wasn't the same. And it's, we had a, a fault on takeoff and basically we crashed
0: the charred remains of the aircraft lie at the spot where it crashed on the ground frankie de Tory and ray cochran managed to get out the pilot did not both jockeys were airlifted to Adenbrook's hospital where they're now being treated for their injuries
1: the head of the fire service said it was a miracle that anyone survived the crash you know we didn't go you know probably about 30 meters up at speed, and then we are plummeting down. And I remember, st- I was I was in the plane with the f- fellow jockey Ray Cochran. What I I gave him a lift to come with me, and uh, and basically when I was when the plane was going down, I was staring at the ground. I was I didn't even scream because I knew I was going to die. I was just disappointed that you know God was going to take me. It's a twenty-nine-year-old with a six-month-old baby and just married. I thought, you know, do you take me now? I just, you know, I just started. Mm. You know, I was kind of disappointed, you know, but I didn't feel scared that I was going to die because I knew I was going to die. I mean, how are you going to survive? It? And <laughs> then we crashed, and then I, I, broke, I, I broke. i realized that I broke my leg. Only thank God, and uh, and I cut my face to bits, so I, the blood was pouring all over my face. I really couldn't see. So I was w- wiping my face and um, a Ray was next to me, He said get out to get out because the plane is full of fuel. So as I went to get out, the door was crushed, you know, it, was in, it wasn't there anymore. And and luckily the, the hutch in the, in behind the door, what you put your luggage, it was half open. So as I went to move, I realized I broke my leg, I was in pain. So I crawled half out and Ray kind of kicked me out. Then he came out and he dragged me away 20 meters and then the plane exploded. So I was lucky twice. And then Ray was trying to get back to get the pilot. Well, to me, it already looked dead. And uh, he was trying to beat this ball of flame with his jacket and he, he burned his head, you know, burned all his face, his hands. And, uh, you know, basically I was helpless there on the floor with a broken leg and uh, Ray was um, desperate crying because we, we couldn't get to the pilot. And that's it, before I knew I was in hospital and we were, you know, we were staring at each other. We had this, we we had this private room and I was looking at him and he was looking at me. He was like, you know, three degree burns all over the face in his hand with bandages. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said... God, Ray, you don't look too well, you know. And he looked at me as well, you don't look too well either. I mean, that was a right mess, stitches everywhere. And, and you kind of live in this bubble of, you know, you know, we were full of morphine with, you know, okay, we had people coming to see us, she, my, mom and my parents, but I didn't, it didn't really hit me because I was full of drugs until I got out, until I got out, and then it really hit me. Oh, my God, what happened? I mean, the world media was there, you know, to survive the plane crash. And then I went into, a, I didn't realize, I went into a depression, not depression, but I don't know. I probably should have, should have seek help at the time. Yes. But everybody said for two years I wasn't the same person. Uh, but luckily I had good family around me and eventually I pulled through it. But I was, I was asking yourself questions. Why did it happen? What about if I died? You know, what's the point to carry? on? I mean, all bad, bad thoughts, negative thoughts. And and this, like I said, it went for a period of the two years, but I didn't realise the people that are around me was telling me this. Yeah. And that's eventually, um, uh, yeah, I pulled through. And it changes your life. Of course, it's gonna change your life. You know, like I explained it to you, imagine living it, you know, it sounds bad telling the story, imagine living it. And, you know, it's maybe better and worse. I would say, you know, I was very much more focused on my job before the, the, the crash. But, you know, I've gained more of, I'm enjoying myself. I spend more time with my family. So you know, it's you know, it was you know, I've lost some, but I've won some, right? Uh, I felt like if I didn't have the plane crash, I could achieve much more. But who cares, really? You know, I've achieved much more. Like I have been able to be myself and enjoy life more. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it's you know, it's, it was uh, it was uh, something what happened in my life, unexplainable, awful. I lost one my my good friend Patrick. You know, Ray saved my life and I have went through trauma as well. Yeah, I mean, pff, mad, completely mad.
0: So when you, like, you mentioned you're a young Italian lad and you go over to England, it's a foreign country. When you went back to the racetrack before you could ride and you were injured, and you can describe the reception, I've only read about it, but the love for you that was shown by the English people as a, as a non-Englishman, it must have, meant the world to you, I presume?
1: <laughs> I know, yes. You know, you, you you leave, it, you know, because obviously I was at home. I lived in my own house, you know, I, I had the broken leg, so I was I had a boot and crutches. And I, two weeks later I was bored, and, uh, or three weeks later I was bored. And I put myself together, I said, right, I'm getting out of the house. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to see Dubai Millennium run in Royal Asco. It was my best horse.
2: It's Dubai Millennium, it's absolutely pulverised this field. He's- in front and going further ahead. Dubai Millennium, a superb performance to win the Dubai World Cup. The world's richest horse
1: race and a great performance. Dubai Millennium by eight legs. So I put my uh, morning suit, my tails and my hat and, and, uh, and I've crotched my way towards the mountain yard, right? And uh, usually the queen goes to the mountain yard for Royal Asco and she always usually gets a cheer or something, so... So I'm all my way into the mantilla with my crotches, and everybody started cheering. So I moved on the side, waiting for the queen. But actually, they were cheering for me. So I realized then, you know, the love that I got from the people. And then, obviously, uh, six weeks later, also when I did came back, it was uh, you know, that banners and yeah, it was, it was, you know, it, those were the key things will make you come back to the sport. You know, because I could easily could have said enough's enough, but you know uh, i thought you know what i'm still young i still love it and the people still want me to ride so that's gave me a, an extra hump to 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 do it again
0: now if you're enjoying frankie i reckon you will enjoy way way back episode 10 10 of the podcast starring the storyteller that is the pumper jimmy cassidy two time melbourne cup winner jimmy
2: has lived a life And Uh, and it was beautiful. I I went in. I can remember washing my face, standing in the shower, thinking, I've just won the bloody Melbourne Cup. (laughs) Can I believe this? (laughs) And they can't take it away from you. It's just there. It's like getting a tattoo.
0: It's there. It's there,
2: yeah. It's amazing. How did you
0: celebrate? Obviously, there was the collect.
2: There was the collect. Then we, with my two friends, obviously, the VRC had asked me to attend the, the Melbourne Cup dinner. And the last thing I thought was I was going to be invited to a dinner. I thought me, me and my two mates, Dave and Rob, we're just going to go out and have a few and uh, have a good night. Oh, Dave and Rob. <laughs> yeah, Dave and Rob. <laughs> and then I ended up doing um, the Daryl Summers show, uh, Hey Hey, hey it's Saturday hey. Night. So they, between. Oh, because that used to be on After the Cup. After didn't the it? Cup. Of course. Yeah. And I laughed looking back at the video. 53 now, looking back when I was 20 on this Hey Hey it's Saturday Night with Daryl Summers. <laughs> It was hilarious. (laughs) It was hilarious. But the good thing was they gave me a bottle of champagne in the the limo going to to do the show. Had a couple of those and I was a little bit relaxed by the time I got there. But um, what a week, what a day. Uh, It's been there for the rest of my life. And did you roll around in aforementioned cash? I did that, that. That was a good story. Did I had you this, truly
0: do that? I truly you...
2: did. Yeah, I, 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 underbelly style. Underbelly style. <laughs> rolled in cash. At twenty, Pumper was rolling in money. <laughs> I got, I got the grey nurses, the hundred dollar bills, oh, the big hundreds. Cha- changed into twenties. <laughs> so and my mate out. said, "What are you doing that for?" I said, "I'll show you." So we got back to the hotel room, pump took all his gear off, got the Melbourne Cup whip, tipped all the money on the bed, <laughs> and for one hour, I was literally <laughs> just rolling in cash. <laughs> <laughs> That is Jimmy Cassidy, episode 10
0: of the show. Scroll way, way back for that bad boy. All righty, let's get back to Frankie. You mentioned the Queen, obviously so synonymous with racing in England. I'm sure, you know, you've ridden horses for the Queen. What's, and you you know, I saw the devastation of the country when she passed away. What was the Queen to you as someone that's been at the forefront of British racing for as long as you have been?
1: Well, I've rode for her for 30 years. I won 50 races for her. I met uh, wow. I met uh, Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle at the race course. Um, and every time I saw her, I was uh, in horror, uh, huh. excited. She, she just made you feel special. And, uh, you know, and even, you know... I met her in, in several events where um, not even for racing. And, and if she knew I was there, she would get someone to to call me to go and see her because she loved just talking about racing. It was a little bit of a bubble <laughs> for her to escape, I guess, uh, things like uh, at the States or different events than she was at, you know. And she's just very knowledgeable Great sense of humor and uh, yeah, I mean, what else can I say about her? She was really special.
0: You spent so long, you know, twenty odd years riding for Godolphin. What what level of preparation and performance is required at a stable like that?
1: Listen, I went. I mean, there is there is no uh, stable like it. You know, the numbers of horses. The facilities, the breeding, intense, great—you uh, know, eighteen years 100 Group Ones um, took me all o- <laughs> o- took me all over the world. You know, I think I'm I'm short of a, I think 950 winners for them so for one single owner. Incredible! Wow. I um, loved it. I mean, horses, incredible horses in a road. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like um, it's like an army, you know. You have your generals, the staff, the head lads, the travelling, the planes, the horse boxes, the trailers, the preparation. I mean, is immense. You know, it's like uh, an industry, you know, like you run uh, huh. the industry of Rolls-Royce will makes airplane engines. I mean, it's proper... Uh, big stuff, and uh, and I was part of it. I was part of it. I was uh, the the you know the guy that uh, that that fired fired the shot, that rode the horse. Yeah. But the, the 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 amount of work from, you know, from the breeding and then went on till 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 it finally got to me it was in in the scales that you can never imagine. It's intense and amazing.
0: Of all the places that y- you've been, t- tell me a racetrack where you've arrived at a racetrack and thought, how in the hell have I ended up riding a horse
1: here? Uh, you know, what? I, I, I like a challenge and uh, I never turn my nose to anything. I mean, I rode in the ice at St. Moritz.
0: Did you?
1: Yes, in the ice lake. I rode uh, in the Caribbean. I rode in Australia. I rode in Asia yeah so I like uh, this year i, I my, my first time I went to Hungary yeah don't I don't mind trying different things so uh in like like you know I rode over over thirty countries and uh you know at the end of the day the is a horse, obviously some are better than others, some tracks are better than others, but the principle is the same you know we uh, we race horses we all try to win, so uh you know if I can go places where I can put a smile on people's faces. Why not? And I really enjoyed this last year going to a lot of different places.
0: We are blessed to have a lot of kids listen to this show. You've achieved so much success in your field and you're still firing at it, which is great credit to you. For all the young minds listening, Frankie, that, that want to succeed in their field, whether it's horse racing or being a concert pianist or a doctor or a pizza maker or a plumber or an electrician, what advice would you give them that, that, that you could tell?
1: Well, like I said to you before, I think you're going to find something that you, you're happy And and, and, uh, for the people who want to be a jockey or want to get into racing, the first and the most important thing is love the horse. I mean, he's a beautiful animal. If you have that from the beginning, then technique and everything else, you can learn that. But if you have the love for the horse, you're halfway there.
0: Frankie, you're a star. I know you're a busy man. Stay safe. Thanks for joining me on the Howie Games. Thank you. Frankie. How good is Frankie? We like sizzle in this show. I say we like sizzle and that man has plenty of sizzle. Good luck to Frankie moving forward. Do not forget, next up on the Artist Series on Tuesday, Koshi. bang, David Kosh. Then the normal Howie Games guest next Thursday with someone. Let's just call it a mystery guest. A mystery guest. That is it from Bengaluru. Until next time, peace and love.
2: And we can do it if we try, try, try.